Justified Season 4 is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps, talking about Justified. This is the Justified Rewatch as we are working our way towards the final season of Justified, premiering January 20th. Today we're talking all about the fourth season of Justified. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I am joined here uh, by a man who has a little bit of a podcast stiffy right now, I think, Antonio Bizarro. If, if listen, if talking about Justified doesn't give you a little bit of a podcast stiffy, I don't know. I'm I think you'll probably get pretty interested here. Oh, I'm getting a little bit of a podcast stiffy right now. Yeah, well, it's so weird to hear Art talking about that. I don't know why it is weird to me, but it seems like a commercial, like a Cialis commercial or something. Yeah. <laughs> take this to get a Marshall Stiffy. Yeah, it's like take, if take Drew Thompson. Marshall Stiffy's lasting longer than four hours are the best kind. <laughs> exactly. It's like, um, I, I mean, he says it enough times, and I'm like, this is just awkward. It is know? a little awkward how often he says the words Marshall Stiffy. It really is. And it's gotten kind of awkward that we keep saying the word Stiffy, and we're just now crossing the minute threshold of uh, recording this podcast. Well, part of having a stiffy is making sure you can cross the minute threshold. I think you got to go a little longer than that if you can. Yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. All right. So, Antonio, we're talking season four of Justified. It's been so long since I've talked to you about Justified. You know, I. Yeah. How's your new year been? Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, We did this. We did this gag already. Yes, it is. And I'm gagging thinking about it. So, Uh, well, it is kind of funny. Not my new year about the gag. It is kind of funny because we we had a little bit of a break between uh, the podcast for season one of Justified and season two of Justified. And then a bit of a break between season two and season three. Uh, You're listening now to the fourth season podcast of Justified, probably pretty quickly after the third season uh, podcast of Justified. But this is literally what, an hour after we hung up about season three? You're changing the, the the magic of podcasting. I'm breaking the illusion again. We're breaking the illusion yes, again. Yes. No, we did. We we recorded a double header tonight because we were pretty behind. So uh, hopefully you guys are all caught up on uh, at least through season four of Justified, and you've got some some fun stuff to listen to. Uh, and Antonio and I have a have a very fun season to talk about right now because season four of Justified is weird. This is a weird season. This is very different from the Justified that we that we uh, knew and loved before this season. Yeah, and I mean, it still has some elements. You've got good, some weird. fun weird stuff. Weird can be good. Weird can be good. Yeah, you've got Constable Bob. You've got weird uh, Jody-based, uh, you know, film messages to Raylan. You've got little just hints throughout the season. This is this is still justified, but in terms of story structure, it is definitely different. Right. I mean, that's something that we talked about at the end of the Season 3 podcast, that, you know, the Quarles thing, you know, Quarles kind of really dominates Season 3. The Bennets obviously really dominate Season 2. And now we're, we've got a mystery that... That, that dominates season four. It's less about one big bad guy, but it's still about a name. And that name is Drew Thompson, but it's a whodunit. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out who is Drew Thompson. Where is Drew Thompson? Why, why are all these people looking for Drew Thompson? And all of that really comes together in a, in a pretty cool way, but it takes a while to, to kind of reach the boiling point. So uh, I don't know. I really love the mystery of Drew Thompson. Uh, never, never trust a Drew is uh, the, the lesson that you learn from, from season four of Justified. <laughs> Basically, he's a badass, though. Well, that wouldn't be yeah, that wouldn't be Drew per se, but yeah. Anyway, is he a meat collector? He's a meat collector. Yeah, uh, Drew Thompson. What a badass that guy! Art really does have a Marshall Stiffy for Drew Thompson, and you can't blame him. No, I mean, it, at some point in the season, they say like, 
listen, this guy did X, Y, and Z. He, he witnessed this. He was in the mafia. He faked his death. He, whatever else you could say about he, him. He was he's just aw- riding around in a police cruiser with you looking for himself. Yes, he's an awesome dude. Whatever else you would have to say about he's him. Like, whatever he's else. Pretty, yeah, this he's pretty guy's, badass. This guy's pretty badass. a badass. Yeah. yeah, so that it's accurate. It's very good. All right, so let's, let's dive into the mystery of Drew Thompson a little bit. It takes a while for the show to really start getting into it. Um, it's the first thing we see. We see a man parachuting uh, down into it's Harlan County where, where we're opening up right in the in the early 1980s. Yeah, I think so. It, it, this is where we get a little we get a little bit um, off off of facts. It Well, the, before, before we even get onto facts, we should say so we, we teased this at the end of the season three podcast. But the thrust of season four, this whole Drew Thompson story, this is based on on a real story, a real Kentucky legend. Yeah, like a real thing that happened in the mid 80s is there was a former Lexington narc, narc, you know, basically a cop who turned to drug dealing and all these criminal conspiracies and became a crazy SOB. And he literally did parachute out of a plane and fell to his death. It was in Knoxville that he fell, which Knoxville is about an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour into Tennessee, south on uh, Interstate 75 from Kentucky. So not far from Harlan at all. Harlan is in southeastern Kentucky and Knoxville is in northeastern Tennessee. Uh, and so they're they're probably only about an hour apart, maybe an hour and a half, depending on the roads. So they can take a little license. This guy was a legitimate Kentucky law enforcement officer who went illegitimate. And I mean, he parachuted to his death. He had 75 pounds of coke, like five grand in cash. He had two automatic weapons, a bunch of knives, some rope, night vision goggles. He was wearing like expensive Italian shoes. Like this is a big deal. This guy falls out of the sky. I mean, they even found a dead bear in the woods that had overdosed on coke. I was going to say, like, in the his, they found it in his backpack. <laughs> yes, a dead bear. He had a dead bear. He, in had, his a, back. he had a dead bear strapped to his body. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bear shoot is not a good a idea for shoot. anyone out there. You don't want to try to use a parachute you're gonna just fall down it's not the like a good backup plan no it's a terrible one it could cushion the fall yeah i guess maybe i mean but bears have bones that's true bones break it's yeah. bad what about Lots a beast what about a dead deboned bear shoot a, like a bear skin a shoot yeah like a pelt a shoot stuffed preferably stuff a taxidermy parachute Uh i don't know man that sawdust is not going to do much okay so he got a the coke fell and this bear died from cocaine yeah the bear just overdosed on coke which is which is a shame i I mean it's it's a hell of a way for a bear to go wow so so this really happened yeah there's a lot of crazy facts surrounding this and what what ultimately is that is that all rumor or is that fact no that's all fact wow when they looked into this guy's background, they uncovered, uh, a, you know, a huge conspiracy that brought in a lot of other elected officials, um, cops, politicians, like a lot of the high society types that you see in this season were implicated uh, throughout all of Kentucky, specifically central Kentucky. Um, and it was one of those things where it really just exposed that all these power brokers were murdering people, running drugs, running weapons, doing all this stuff. And this guy falling out of the sky, his name was Drew Thornton. Uh, was was what exposed all that. So this this is all fact. I mean, this all happened. The the Drew Thompson kind of did he did he live and all that. That's Justified's way of making it a lot more you know narratively interesting from a non from a fictional standpoint. What what if he lived? What if he faked his death? And what would this look like? And so that's kind of where they their story picks up. Wow. 
That'd be really crazy if this guy in real life actually did like have a Waldo truth that he dropped out of a plane. If this, if it was that real, that would be amazing. Yeah, because I mean, it, it was as as crazy as a story can get. Like years worth of reporting, like not books written. Like I said, lots of television shows based on the fact that it was a huge crazy story in and of itself. If you took that story and twisted it, it would be fascinating, and it would it would, it would look a lot like what we ended up getting with this season of Justified. Um, without the, you know, the backdrop of what a big story it was. Art says earlier in the season, that was the day cocaine came to Harlan County. Right. And, and that, you know, probably was, was partially true. And on some level is that, you know, th- this was probably a, a weird wake up call for a lot of places, but it didn't exactly play out in Harlan that way. Um, this guy, like I said, he was, he was found in Knoxville, uh, in, in a suburban yard, like the cul-de-sac we see at the beginning of the season, not in Harlan. Uh, so it was, uh, it, but, it, but it, it definitely had shockwave type impacts across the state in the mid eighties. So if you were to revisit that and the guy ended up being alive, having faked his death, that would be incredible. All right. So let's, let's set this up in terms of justified then. And I think we could probably just cut to the chase. Uh, so let's just issue our final warning right here. Uh, that if you are not current through season four of Justified, we're going to talk about this season in its entirety. With that said, that was your final warning because Shelby is Drew Thompson. Yeah, uh, Shelby Parlow, Sheriff Shelby. Which is which is a really cool twist that that uh, Jim Beaver's character, who has been on previous seasons of Justified, we find out that he is this kind of mythical man in uh, Harlan lore. So how does this really play out then? We see in the, in the very first scene of season four, we see uh, Waldo Truth. Uh, drop out of the airplane, but they believe it's it's Drew Thompson, or is it is it known that this guy is? Uh, it's it, everyone for all intents and purposes, this guy who fell out of the sky is Drew Thompson. That's correct. Uh, but we know, or we come to know, that that's not the case, and this is some poor schmucko named Waldo Truth who Drew kind of convinced or compelled uh, to to be the fall guy. Yeah, he either killed him in the plane and threw him out or threw him out with a non-working parachute, knowing that he would fall to his death and he could maybe throw some ID on him and and claim to be Drew Thompson or whatever they used to do that. But, yeah, that was the plan is that this guy, Drew Thompson, he was cold blooded. And and it's interesting because we before we know that Shelby is Drew Thompson, what we learn about Shelby this season is he's a really good guy. Right. He's upstanding. Yeah. He's he protects Ellen May. He is not at all, you know, on team Boyd uh, in a bad way. Like he's helping Boyd a little bit at the beginning of the season with the church and stuff, but he doesn't want to be on team Boyd. And he's really backing Ellen May and really looking to do good um, in his life. And he seems like a decent guy. Uh, so it's interesting to look at him and recognize you got to have a guy like Jim Beaver play this role because you have to have a guy who you can imagine if he's, you twist him and have him live a really hard life and maybe put drugs and, and stuff like that in the mix. What would he be? Could he be darker? And cause this is what happened. I mean, he faked his death by killing someone else. That's absolutely what happened. Right. It's I think it's it's kind of easy to to lose sight of that because you've got a guy like Jim Beaver who who just does such a great job of playing like the morally upstanding guy, like the solid dude. You know, he's the guy in the room that, you know, you can trust. He's got your back. Uh, and, you know, that facade, it, it's it's very much there like that, that stature, that composure, this, you know, kind of presence that he brings to his characters. But. And you do have to remember that this is a guy who's probably done some bad stuff and not even probably has definitively done some bad stuff. 
Yeah, he's interesting because you know if he he if he squints and and he and he plays a little bit more like Ellsworth on Deadwood, even though Ellsworth was an upstanding guy and Ellsworth was uh, an experienced kind of guy on Deadwood. And I'm not going to spoil Deadwood here, but he you know he was always the kind of guy that he he definitely didn't not fit in the world of Deadwood. The world of Deadwood is so amoral that the moral center is someone like Al Swearingen, who is this just horrible amoral character. Um, but you know. The, the character Jim Beaver played there fits. He fit because he was hardened and he, you knew he had seen some shit uh, and he was able to put up with a lot, but he, he could be dark. And I think that you, you sense that a little bit throughout the season with, with this Drew Thompson arc and later in the season, you see him being a little selfish and you actually see him, you know, being a little hard ass uh, with the people that he's dealing with and not wanting to play ball. And you realize, okay, this is that guy, right? but, but you're right. It's, it's Jim Beaver. So it, it, I think part of the swerve comes in from such a likable, upstanding guy being that guy. Right. And you also get the sense, though, that like all of these years he's been inactive from, you know, that life that he that he ditches when he, you know, tosses Waldo Truth off a plane, that he seems like he has tried to get his act together, that it seems like he really does kind of want to be a lawman and, and turn a new leaf. It's just I think part of the I think really one of the the big themes, the biggest themes of the season is like old ghosts that come back and haunt you. Like you just can't shake certain stuff from your past. And that's very present in the Drew storyline, but you obviously see it with Raylan and what happens to his father this season. And uh, the fact that uh, the, the body of Delroy is going to come back in such a horrible way to haunt Boyd and Ava. So I think that that that's very much present in the Drew Thompson story first and foremost. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And we have to remember Shelby it's kind uh, of a Harbaugh, ghost story this season in a way. It, it is in a, like a walking ghost story. And that's why the, the kind of the psychic angle is interesting. His wife is this claims to be a psychic and, you know, she's maybe she is a psychic. Who knows? She sees something in Raylan early in the season and he can't explain it. But it, it it's very there's a lot of this kind of weird the past isn't even, you know, dead. It isn't even past. Like it's like, it's totally there and and present in the moment. We have to remember Shelby though, did not angle to be the sheriff. That was something Boyd put him on. Right. You know, this is not something he was reaching out for. Yeah, He was like a greeter at a Best Buy or something. Yeah. He worked at a big box store. It tells, he tells Raylan that story in the season. And, and you get the impression that this is a guy who won when presented with that chance actually does want to make good with it. He's even before we, he, people start getting on to him as Drew Thompson, or he realizes that's what's happening. He's, he's not ready to play ball with Raylan yeah. or with, with Boyd. I'm sorry. And he, he actually finds Ellen May takes her in says, Hey, maybe you can help me take down Boyd. Like he's wanting to do good. So I think he does see it as an opportunity to be different and leave that past behind in some respects. Well, one of the things that's interesting about this is I, I don't know if you, if you read these when, um, when the show is on the air, but Graham Yost, the showrunner of justified, he, he usually does these weekly Q and A's with entertainment weekly after an episode airs. And he's pretty forthcoming about the way that the story comes together, the way that the show comes together. And I remember when uh, this season, when the Drew Thompson season was happening, that he, I think he copped to the fact that they didn't start the season knowing that Jim Beaver was going to be Drew Thompson. Oh, wow. Uh, it's something that developed. They, they knew that this was sort of the idea of the, they, they wanted to tell this legend. They wanted to, to have that be sort of the focus of the season, but they didn't quite know who Drew Thompson was going to be. But the more they had Jim Beaver on the show and the more important he was to Harlan, uh, I think they were like, well, we did have him back in season two. Is there anything from like the, 
the history of the show that would kind of negate the idea that he could be Drew Thompson. And they were like, no, actually, it makes sense. We could probably do that. And that's how they came to the idea that it was just Jim Beaver was giving them such good stuff. Like, we should probably have this character be somebody who's already on the show. And uh, that's that's how uh, Shelby becomes Drew Thompson in the writer's room, which I think is is a pretty interesting process. And they certainly try to dangle some possibilities in front of us throughout the season. You know, um, Bernard from Lost, maybe he could be Drew Thompson or... um, Oh, Josiah Cairn. Yeah, uh, Josiah yeah. Cairn. What's his? Yeah. Who was he on Deadwood? What was his name? Oh, he was uh, Hurst, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. He was Hurst on Deadwood. He's also on yeah House yeah, of Cards. House of Cards, sure. Yeah. I, I and I Major I, Dad. I'm late to House of Cards, so I uh, when I spotted him there, I was like, oh, that's, that's he right. may not be Major Dad. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> I feel like he is. I don't there, know. There's a lot of possibilities for who this guy could be, but I think that any anybody other than uh, Shelby being Drew Thompson, I think, would have been pretty unsatisfying. I think I think it's a really great satisfying reveal when it's somebody who you've grown to know and and like over the course of a few seasons now yeah and i think the other part that plays is gerald mcraney the guy um we're talking about that uh that plays josiah and and uh, along with the 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 previous you know sheriff who's in jail um that kind of doesn't sell him out along with arlo all these people know who he is his ex-wife and none of them sell him out and I think that that you have to have someone like Jim Beaver who is likable, like on the surface almost immediately to have that really play. Cause a lot of these people don't have really good reason to keep his secret, like not keeping the secret. In fact, revealing who he is would bail a lot of them out of problems, whether it's getting Arlo a better deal in jail, uh, whether it's getting money for somebody, uh, whether it's getting Sheriff Hunter out of jail, like wh- however it is, whatever deals on the table, they don't sell him out. And I think that you have to have a likable guy like Jim Beaver, who who ends up being Drew Thompson, to to believe that, to make that acceptable and buy it. And I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so in the context of the show, have we talked yet about what it is that sends Drew Thompson on the run? No, I, I don't think we did. Uh, so we we should. Uh, so this is another season that's going to tie in really closely to the, the Detroit mob scene uh, that was starting to come to bear in season three through quarrels and and Duffy kind of trying to negotiate that that world a little bit. It really comes to bear in this season because Drew Thompson he he worked for Theo Tonin, right? Yeah, or he was. He, uh, yeah, yeah, he was in the Theo Tonin sphere and uh, and probably running drugs and doing the same sorts of things that got you know the actual Andrew Thornton in trouble uh, and led led to what his demise was. He was probably Drew Thompson was doing the same things, right? And it turns out that he uh, like he he double crosses Theo Tonin. He's the reason why Theo Tonin kind of has like a scarred up eye. I think he shot him in the eye or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and he and then he he hits the road. So Theo Tonin, when he finds out that Drew Thompson is still alive, uh, is really really ready to just uh, tear Harlan apart to come find him. And the the reason why it comes to light that Drew Thompson is alive is basically because. Uh, all of his possessions are secretly in Arlo's house. <laughs> they're they're in Arlo's wall. Yeah, Arlo probably didn't expect to go to jail. You know, at the end of the last season, and ended up going to jail because of the 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 cop and because he took the fall for 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 Boyd. So he doesn't have the opportunity to go clean his house, as you would say, like get rid of anything that maybe is incriminating in other matters. And he hires these 
two kids ultimately to get the bag out of the wall that links to the Drew Thompson case. And they get caught by Constable Bob, unfortunately, uh, for them, Patton Oswalt showing up in the first episode. I love Constable Bob. I had no doubt that you would. Like I, I had, love I would Constable have bet my Bob. year's salary that you love Constable I Bob. Love I mean, Constable I do too. Bob. How could you not? How could you not? But, but yeah, I, so they, they get caught and the bag gets discovered and there's an ID in there with Waldo Truth on it. And that starts tying back into the Drew Thompson case as they start to unravel it. And one thing that wasn't clear to me, and I, I if anyone has any better connection, please let us know in the comments or tweet at me. I didn't understand how Detroit initially found out that Drew Thompson was still alive. I, I get that it was discovered uh, through Raylan and, and Art kind of investigating Waldo Truth's family uh, and through Raylan kind of prodding Arlo about it. But I didn't understand how Detroit found out about it I because think, they're, they're in the mix right away. So, so here's what I, my, my take on it, and I think that they, they sell this pretty well um, in the episode where, where that one, like, who's kind of, like this kind of suave federal agent comes in and he's like, we'll take this from here now, now yeah. that we know that you've got Drew Thompson. Uh, he's in the pocket of, of Detroit. So he is, Detroit, but I didn't know how he found out about it because it's now going through the system. Like the marshals, the marshals are now on the case, and the feds are like, "Oh, we'll swoop in and we'll take it from here." Okay, uh, all right. And it's because this guy is kind of a, he's a mole that's working for Detroit so much so that when he is discovered, uh, it's a better alternative for him to just shoot himself, kill himself and kill yeah. himself there than whatever vengeance would be exacted upon him and his family if he was still alive and if he was caught. So, yeah. I, And I think that that really represents just this idea that uh, the Detroit mob is not a group to be screwed with. Uh, they've got their claws in deep pretty much everywhere. Theotonin has ears everywhere. Uh, uh, yes. and so he is fond of ears. He loves ears. So I, I think that that's kind of that's how they get into the mix is because they just have a man who, who knows about it. So once they hear about it, uh, for, for Theo Tonin, this is priority number one for a few reasons. One being he wants vengeance against Drew Thompson. But the other thing is that if Drew Thompson is found by authorities, he could theoretically cut some kind of deal by turning over a metric butt ton of evidence on Theo Tonin and force, yeah. you know, bring, basically put an end to the whole Tonin empire. Uh, Thompson's wife eventually admits that that Drew witnessed Theo Tone and kill a government informant. Exactly. Like so, a very specific thing that could that could take him down. So he's he's got a lot on the table that he, you know, Drew Thompson has a lot on the table that he could turn against Theo, and that would be very bad for Detroit. So Detroit has a very, very vested interest in finding uh, this guy. And subsequently, because they don't know Harlan very well, they you know, they, and they discover this pretty quickly when they try and send some of their own button men and it just does not work very well, that their best option is to use some of the people who already have boots on the ground in Harlan to try and sniff out where Drew Thompson is. And that's how we kind of get Win Duffy and Boyd Cratter. Into the You're talking about Steven Tobolowsky? Isn't that isn't they can't just use him? <laughs> well, first they'll have to wipe his brains off of uh, the couch in in, in the Winnebago. Trailer. That was that was incredible. Yeah, just bring Stephen Tobolowsky back just to shoot him in the face. Yeah, I I don't know if he's he has a, pardon me he has a great podcast, but obvious and I'm not sure if he talked about that on his podcast or not. But I'd like to try to seek that out because that is a classic moment, and it's so perfect for Win Duffy. It is a perfect Win Duffy thing. It is exactly like many other moments Win Duffy has already experienced, not including the Emmett Arnett scene 
from the beginning of season three yeah. uh, where somebody just gets shot right next to Win Duffy. And then they say to Win, like, OK, do you know who I am now? Or, OK, do you want do you want to help now? And Win's like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Without missing yeah. a beat. Right. Yeah. No problem. No I'll problem. do whatever you say. Yeah. Just don't shoot me in the face like you just <laughs> shot your friend. By the way, uh, rest in peace, Win Duffy's mustache. Yeah, it, it it was sad to see it go, but I mean, if they just if they just moved it up to his eyebrows, I think we're all right. Like, <laughs> Did it just get absorbed? It just migrated his, north. It just got absorbed into his eyebrows, like uh, when the T one thousand loses a little bit of his foot, it just like gets reabsorbed back into his foot. Yeah, or like uh, Stan Sitwell in Arrested Development, like with the alligator yes. or whatever. <laughs> like just moved around on his face. That's all. Yeah, I I miss the mustache. I think Win Duffy looks better with the mustache. Yeah, he looks a little more debonair, shall we say, and a little less smarmy. He looks a little more smarmy without the mustache, but uh, th- that guy's money's made from the nose up, not from the nose down. That's so, true. all right, so Duffy, he's gonna he's gonna try and make some peace with Boyd Crowder, even though Boyd is not uh, especially thrilled with Win because Win tried to blow him up back at the end of season three. But you know, bygones, let's let bygones be bygones. Except uh, as we saw at the very end of season three. Johnny Crowder is making his move and Johnny is going to win Duffy and saying, I can offer you Boyd and I can go and get Drew Thompson. Yeah. And, and look, the, the way Win Duffy operates in this season is, Hey, whoever can get me what I need, I don't really care. Like if it's Boyd, it's Boyd. If it's you, it's you. Right. All I want is I want to turn Drew Thompson over to Detroit a, so they don't murder me and B so that I'm in their really good graces. Right. It's all, yes. he, it's all he, he cares about. He doesn't really care if it's Boyd or Johnny or or anyone. He just wants to get Drew Thompson so he can live and so that he can get the money uh, that, you know, he could get out of that deal and be in better graces with Theo Tone. And he's, you know, he could obviously stand to move up significantly uh, if he gets that deal done. So he's he's looking just to to profit. He doesn't care at whose expense. And Boyd is so eager to to do this because he wants to get in good with Detroit. And I think he he's trying to make his move to take over the heroin trade, right? Yeah, and and he'll he'll take half of it from Win, and Win offers that up, and that's the deal that they kind of make on paper. Um, or he'll take all of it from Detroit if he can kind of end around on Win. He doesn't care either. Again, he's kind of angling for a way to to make a really big play and to go from kind of a, a small time hundred K kind of guy to like a million kind of guy. And that that's kind of what his angle is. And so he's willing to to do whatever it takes, either with or without win. Uh and that's Boyd Crowder. It's interesting. I I, I did want to talk to you about that. This season I start to, I start to struggle a little bit with Boyd um and his motivations, mainly because he's so heavily peddling heroin and so sure, keen yeah. on it. And he was so against meth and calling it poison in season one. And and I think very clearly against it, blowing up trucks. And I don't think it was just a move against his dad. I really don't think he liked the stuff. I agree. And, and heroin's just as dangerous and damaging. So I don't understand why Boyd is. Is he just, is it your opinion that he's just kind of been put in this position where he's accepted he's a criminal? So he's just going for it? Yeah, I think so. I think that he's broken fully bad. Uh, I, th- I think season four Boyd is Boyd just, you know, he's really, this is his career now. He knows it. He's a career criminal. He had that struggle back in season two with whether or not this is the life that he's supposed to lead, uh, you know, given everything, you know, all the spiritual awakening and then the spiritual destruction he suffers in season one. 
And then in season two, he's, he's really struggling with whether or not that's the way he should go. He finally seems to start moving in that direction uh, with his play against the Bennetts. Uh, season three is very much more of the same of him just kind of bolstering his, his position in Harlan. And now he's really just going for it. But the other thing, too, is it's a means to an end because we, we find out fairly quickly into season four that Boyd wants to marry Ava. They get engaged. And he has his eye on like a house that they can go and they can buy. He wants a Dairy Queen franchise. He wants to go legit. And I think that he sees this, certainly the, the heroin thing, but even more so the Drew Thompson thing, as opportunities to kind of get him to that goal much faster than he expected. Uh, so I think that he's trying to take a shortcut uh, towards a path that would be more legitimate than the, than the way that he'd been living up until this moment. But, of course, it's not going to work out pretty well. Yeah, it's hard because he, he, I think that the show has never strayed from wanting Boyd to be likable. I think the performance that uh, Walt Goggins is putting on is, is just so love. Like you just love to watch the guy on screen. He chews up every scene that he's in and that, that doesn't change no matter how bad he's being. But I, I feel like we should probably turn against him at some point. I mean, early in this season, he's just terrorizing a preacher who the preacher himself really just seems kind of babe in the woods. Yeah, let's no real this. ulterior motives. The last chance of holiness church is that, yeah. is that it? Let's let's talk about this storyline a little bit because it takes a while for the Drew Thompson thing to really come into focus, especially for Boyd. It takes I think three or four, maybe even five episodes before Boyd is really in in the hunt there. Uh, and his initial story in season four is yeah, he's terrorizing these you know this this church that has rolled in you know this traveling church that's rolled into harlan and is causing some problems for his business yeah and that's really what it is it's that it's causing problems for his business people aren't buying he's having a hard time shaking down his dealers getting money out of them because they're going to turn on and go to the church ellen may has swept up in it so it's ellen presenting may. ellen may has swept up in it so it's presenting problems for him across the board boyd so yeah it's really difficult and his response to that is to is to straight up murder the guy basically by handing handing the guy a poisonous snake and being like, "Prove it, prove that you're holy." And the guy gets bit by the poisonous snake and dies. Right. I mean, it's not in the eyes of the law that they don't consider it a murder. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I understand. Which is which is sort of I mean that's kind of you know fucked up on its own. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he walks up to this guy who really does believe that he is you know this religious figure that that has like these powers he can cure you he can make you feel well uh and it's because like his sister is letting him believe that he handles off these snakes these deadly poisonous snakes uh and they never poison him they never get him hurt he's always able to do it and we find out that's because the sister is a little bit of a con artist herself and she uh drains these snakes of poison before he goes and handles them and so boyd comes into the church one night and just blows the whole show uh, and says, here, play with this snake. It's another poisonous snake, but it's mine. And the sister's like, don't do it. You'll die. And the poor the poor preacher who's uh, actually Timmy from Jurassic Park. Yeah, Joseph Mazzello. Uh, poor preacher Timmy. Uh, just He's like, no, I, to- I could totally handle the snake. And then the snake. He says clever girl right before yeah, he starts. Clever girl. And then, and then the raptor shreds him apart. Yes. Uh, but basically, I mean, you know, the, the, the figurative raptor shreds him apart. He gets bitten by the snake and he dies from that. So, yeah, that's kind of a dick move, Boyd. Um, totally a dick move. And it's really only because Boyd wants to deal heroin. Like there isn't an ulterior motive right. other than that. I mean, maybe he's a little pissed because he's met with the sister and she says, look, we'll leave if you build us a church somewhere. Right. 
And maybe he's a little self-loathing because he talks to the preacher and he says, like, I've stood up there and I've delivered this message and it's false. You know, like maybe there's a little bit of self-loathing in it. They don't really play that, but I think the subtlety of that is there. I think so. Uh, because of that scene. So there's some of that in it, but it ultimately just comes down to this guy is stopping Boyd from dealing drugs and Boyd doesn't like that. And this guy's doing legitimate good for people like Ellen May. It's not like he's, you know, doing bad by them. And when Boyd talks to Shelby about it, Shelby's like, maybe he just wants to do some good and move on. Yeah. And Boyd's like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, it's like, so I, it's hard. The, the, the Boyd story this season, it, it's, and, and I will be interested to see, you know, we'll leave that as an open end for season five, the Boyd Crowder character arc, because I think that Boyd is, is no longer kind of the, the guy with the good heart. He really is kind of descended and broken bad, like you said, and that's who he is at this point. And this is how we see it play out. He's just willing to, to ax this guy. I mean, when I saw, that Joseph Mazzello, like a recognizable guy, um, he was featured heavily in the previews for this season, and he's dead three episodes. I, yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, even, you know, we could talk about Boyd's arc in its entirety this season. I mean, by the end of it, uh, Ava's going to go to jail. Uh, Boyd is going to be very emotionally torn up about how that all played out. Uh, he's going to he's going to uh, still end up with this heroin uh, deal. You know, when Duffy is going to be in a position of power and he says, I want you to be my heroin guy in Kentucky. Not if that's cool. And Boyd nods. So even in like the face of great, great trauma and disaster in his personal life, he's like, yeah, uh, I, at least things professionally seem to be going OK. Uh, so I think this season is starting to push us to a place where Boyd is, you know, He's a bad guy. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to resist calling him a bad guy because he's so charismatic and compelling and magnetic and uh, such a great performance. And there's something very human about Boyd Crowder based on the journey that we've seen him go through from being this horrible white supremacist to being this religious, religiously uh, reformed guy to this guy who doesn't want to go back to crime to this guy who does go back to crime but does it for love. And then the love is taken out of it and he's still in the thick of the crime you got to look at a guy like that and at this point and justify by the end of season four and throughout season four, this is a guy who's consciously making bad choices to be a bad guy. Uh, and you can't, you can't reject the idea that Boyd Crowder is a bad guy at this point. And I think that the show has, I, I personally think that the show has earned that at this point. I think that the Boyd character has earned coming kind of full circle to being a bit of a prick. Yeah, I think so too. I definitely think so. I think that, we can talk about when we talk about season five, especially whether the show suffers for that uh, because Boyd prick or not is still a major character. Who's going to get a lot of screen time uh, and he's going to have his own stories that sometimes intersect with Raylan's and sometimes don't, uh, but he's going to be a major screen player. And if you've got a major screen player who you want to like, you have liked, but who's be becoming increasingly more despicable as a person. Uh, what do you do with that? And that's a, that's a really interesting thing to think about because obviously Breaking Bad is the, the chief example of a show that took a, you know, that, that convention of somebody finding themselves and improving their life and that being their arc and twisted it totally on its ear. Um, we've seen Boyd Crowder kind of go through this really interesting transformation, even as season four goes on. 
uh, and to see how that plays out and the effect that it has on the show is interesting because it's just not as fun anymore uh, that it that it you know as it used to be with Boyd Crowder. He's doing some you know some really horrible things that I think you're supposed to feel bad for him at moments in this season where he has to make devil's bargains all the time. He's got this money that's a down payment for a house, but then he's got to give it to Limehouse to get Ellen May or Thompson. And how does he choose which one to get? And and, and why does he really continue to want to just get Ellen May? Is he really that worried? Yeah, like, not to mention the fact that he's ordered, you know, the death, the execution of this, you know, dim-witted prostitute. Yes, yeah, who wanted to, you know, make herself better, and he just, he's really pushed that. So this, some of that is, is, the, is the result of the decision that he made there. When he made that decision and, and put that on, that's where he ended up. And uh, we, we have to save some venom for Ava, too. You know, right. Ava being a character who is, uh, you know, she starts justified in, in the victim spot. You know, she, she turns the gun on Boyd Crowder at one point and Raylan and her are a thing. And, you know, she, she has just come out of this deeply abusive relationship and she's, you know, finding what she thinks to be love in the arms of this really perfect guy who turns out not to be that into her. And then she finds Boyd and, and it spirals to this place where she's going to end up going to you know prison because of her actions because she killed a man uh because she wanted to well didn't want to but because she ends up deciding that she has to kill the only other person who could throw her into jail for knowing about killing this guy for for killing uh delroy back in season three so ava has really come a long way and you even get it and there's this one scene where raylan just kind of throws some shade at her yeah uh, yeah in the finale and like it's almost like Raylan is us at that moment where, he, you know, you kind of expect it from Boyd to a degree just because if you think about where Boyd started this whole series, of course, this is a guy who's doing terrible things. Uh, but Ava, it's just like, really? I can't believe you went this far. So, uh, you know, we we can have as much, you know, disappointment in, in Boyd as we want, but you got to save some for Ava as well. Yeah. And, and earlier, I, I can't, I think it's in season three, Raylan basically says something to Ava, like, you know who this guy is, like, you know what you're getting into, like, right, you know right. what you're doing, right? Like, and I appreciate Boyd's motives when he talks about three generations from now, you know, it'll, it'll all be legit. And there's the whole Corleone family kind of thing, like a, the Godfather connection where he's trying to, you know, do these horrible things and bear the brunt of all these problems and make these tough calls so that his, you know, family can be JFK and he can be Joe Kennedy. Like it makes sense that, that he's, he's willing to sacrifice these things and put himself on the line uh, for that future. But I, I just, it is kind of downplayed, even though the last thing we see from him in this season is him breaking into that that house that meant so much uh, to he and Ava. That sort of that was representative of what they could get, their brass ring, the one that Ava's mom had actually worked as a maid cleaning up. Yeah, um, I was high up on the hill that the real estate agent herself didn't think that they could possibly ever live in. Right. Uh, and and that is all very metaphoric for him. So I appreciate that that that, that is what's going on with Boyd Crowder. Uh, I just think the show has a little bit of a different tone when Boyd is is truly broken bad and when he's not somebody that you really actually kind of want to root for. Um, and this season kind of plays it both ways sometimes. And I think that, that that's difficult. I think this, this season has a lot of difficult work to do with Boyd. Uh, and I think that that, that is an interesting thing to watch play out over the course of this season. Yeah, and I, I just think you know the choice to to not let Boyd die in the pilot uh, I think when you when you move from there, it feels to me like there's there's really only 
I One mean, Direction. Yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like that guy can't ever be fully redeemed. Uh, and you could you know you could either you could kill him really quickly, like you could go back on what you just did, and you could just have him dead by the end of the season. Or if you're just going to keep pushing that character forward, it really does feel like even though it's a very diverse path, and even though he goes through a lot of different transformations, it's a it's it feels like a linear path. Uh, it feels like he's headed towards the fire. Uh, you know, and that makes sense considering it's, oh, that's his thing. He's a pyromaniac, fire in the hole all the time. So it really does feel like he is heading towards some sort of big explosion. And I think season four, you know, it, it's disappointing in certain ways and it, it can be tough to see him really embrace to the extent that like, you know, when he's always, he's always so playful with Raylan in the past, but in this season we get him, you know, in the very first episode that they get to interact in episode five when they're in Hill Country. Uh, and Raylan leaves him uh, handcuffed to the tree. Boyd says, I don't like you, Raylan. Like, yeah, I think a, I finally realized it. Yeah, it's a it's a very bold declaration. And it, that's those are the words of Boyd, the criminal, you know, the guy who is who has found himself, who has become his own man, who is self-actualized in this way. Uh, that is not unrecognizable, but disappointing to see at the same time. But I kind of feel like if you're going to have Boyd Crowder on this show for as long as we've had him on the show, that really is the only way that he's going to go. Yeah, I think that in, in the chickens of that are coming home to roost in season four, more so than ever. And I think that they, season four is sort of a crossroads in that respect, because even as he's telling Raylan, I don't like you, five minutes before that, the Hill people were ready to kill Boyd, and we obviously are rooting for, for Raylan to save him. Right. And he does. He does. And and they're later on in the season when they're holed up at the school, the whole debate over the astronaut and who, who it was or, you know, whether he came and Boyd knowing Raylan that well, that he knew that's where Raylan and Bob would be with Thompson. Um, when Raylan shows up, Picker who's with, with, or when Boyd shows up, Picker who's with Boyd is ready to just go in guns blazing. And Boyd is kind of like talking uh, and, and talking Raylan out as a way of sort of slowing things down and as a way of not just letting him kill Raylan right on the spot. Right. But you get the sense that he would have done it if he had to. Yeah, you do get that sense. I mean, that is there. But on the other hand, he he's like the friendly face in that scenario. Yes. And and it plays that way. So they uh, there there's just a lot. There's a lot to do with Boyd in this season and to move him along the board, even in a linear fashion, like you're, you're like you're rightly describing it. I think that it, it puts him in some very difficult positions uh, as a character. And I think that that's um Something that's very interesting to track in in season four, uh, and I've just put a pin in it for season five because that he, he clearly survives season four, and what he does in season five uh, will be right front of mind uh, as we recap that in in the week to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where where should we go from here? You know, we've we've talked a bit about Drew, we've talked about Boyd. Uh, where, where's where's the next step for you? Well, I mean, what about what about Raylan? He has kind of a really major event happen in the middle of this season. Yeah, he? let's let's talk about this. Uh, so, so Arlo Givens just dies in the middle of this season. Uh, it's such a shock. I was so shocked when this happened when I watched this the first time, and I'm still kind of in shock every time I think that this is just a how they got rid of the character. Um, I don't know. Talk, talk me through how you feel about the death of Arlo Givens. Yeah, it well the actual scene itself you you have reason to believe that he's going to get it, he's going to get out of it. He he's obviously being set up partially That whole scene is great by the way. Yeah. Uh, like they put him in the barber's get chair. Some. They put him in the barber's chair and like he already just looks dead. Like it looks yeah. like he like died in the chair just from being old and drugged out. I mean they've drugged him up significantly apparently. Uh-huh. 
And then he just goes mad. And you're right. It looks like he's got the upper hand. And then uh, he just gets he gets stabbed. He gets shanked. Yeah. He gets shanked with the with like some some barber it's shears classic, or something. Classic Oz move. Hunter Mosley just shanks him. Yeah, it's no good. Uh, and it, it, it makes some sense. Kind of. I mean, the thing is, this is all <clears throat> kind of, I think, being done as a means of protecting Drew Thompson. Is that right? Uh yeah, I think Drew Thompson ordered the hit on Arlo is yeah, my read I, on it. It seems like it or 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 it was understood that Drew would have wanted that to happen. Right. Because Hunter is loyal to Drew. Hunter's loyal to Drew. And I think he's not sure if Arlo will be loyal to Drew. I mean, Arlo is being loyal to Drew. The beginning of the season, we find out that Arlo knows about Drew. And the deal that's offered to him is you tell us who Drew Thompson is and we'll let you walk scot-free. And that is the deal that Arlo is ready to take that deal. Yeah. And he's got his lawyer there and everything. And that's the way it's going to play out. When Boyd finds out about that deal, Boyd kills it. Boyd buys off the lawyer because Boyd doesn't want, Boyd wants to be the one to to turn in Thompson. Boyd wants to find him and get the money. And he doesn't want the feds to have him. And he doesn't want Arlo to take that deal. So Boyd screws up that deal for Arlo. Yeah. Arlo is only family to a point, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like when $500,000 or whatever is on the line, then no, no, thank you. But so what happens ultimately after that is Raylan comes to Arlo and offers him a deal and says, tell us, just tell me who Drew is and we'll get you in a country club prison. And Arlo doesn't want any part of that. Now, does he not want any part of that because he doesn't want to help Raylan? Does he not want any part of that because he wants the full walk deal? Does he not want any part of that because he doesn't want to sell out Thompson? I have no idea. It's always hard to tell what Arlo's motives are. But I don't know that he was actually in jeopardy of revealing who Drew Thompson was. Yeah, hard to say. Again, hard to say with Arlo, but it it seems like that's that's why he gets targeted here is because he could bring the whole thing down. Uh, and so, yeah, he gets shanked here. And it happens, uh, I don't know if it's the same night or if it's the day after, but it, it happens right, pretty much right after uh, Raylan, you know, offers this country club deal to Arlo and, and Arlo's response to it is something along the lines of eat shit. Eat shit. And, yeah. and, and then Raylan tells Arlo what? And Raylan says to Arlo, like, you know what? You're going to die in here probably tomorrow. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe the next week. It ends up being tomorrow. <laughs> it yeah. ends up being the next day. Yeah. And that's so devastating. It's so, that's so wild that, that that's how the show chooses to play this is to really just, you know, this really contentious relationship between Raylan and Arlo to begin with, to just have it end or at least have it end in terms of, you know, Arlo's place as like a living being, but not the spirit of Arlo. Cause that's very much still hanging with Raylan once he's gone. I think, uh, you know, to have it end in, in such a way with like such ugly final words between the two of them, between Raylan's final words and, Arlo's final words. I, I, what, what is his exact final word? Something. Kiss my ass. Yeah, kiss my ass. Or Arlo's yeah. final words. Yeah. Uh, it's just. It's a. It's a pretty bold choice to have this be the way that they end this character. It just doesn't. It doesn't make a ton of logical sense to me. And I. I mean, I can't let that go. I. At the beginning of the season, Arlo, when he finds out that people are asking about Thompson, he straight up kills a dude. He cuts a guy's throat right. who's like this librarian trustee kind of guy who's wandering around the prison and who hears, who has heard Raylan talk to Arlo about this situation, about Waldo Truth and all of that. He straight up kills the guy. Yeah. He's hired the people to try to get the bag out of the house. It seems like his every action is in, is in harmony with the fact that he doesn't want to sell Thompson out. 
And yet then he later says he wants to make the deal um, and is ready to do that. But then 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 Boyd screws that up. So maybe it's it's known that he was going to make a deal and that's why he gets a target on him. Yeah, I, I don't know. And when Raylan says you're going to die here and it might be soon. I don't know if Raylan is suggesting like you're going to be a marked man because people know that you were ready to make this deal. I, think, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I think that could be it. I think it could be as simple as, oh, you're horrible and you're going to die in prison because you're going to do something horrible that you're going to end up getting killed for. Or you're just an old, pathetic man who's going to die in prison. Yeah. And I mean, it, it may be that 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 I'm just misreading that Raylan scene or not reading it well enough to know that Raylan knew that Arlo was going to be in jeopardy. It was clear that Arlo was going to be in jeopardy, that, uh, you know, Boyd and, and others were looking for Theotonin. And if they found him first, Arlo would not be protected. Uh, and if you don't t- want to take the deal, you're going to die. That's fine with me. And then, yeah, that's absolutely what happens is he's set up to be killed, I guess, because they don't that the Drew doesn't want to be found at that point or Mosley knows about the deal and acts on his own. It's not a hundred percent sure. Right. But yeah, that's absolutely what happens. Yeah. It's sad though. It's so, I can't, it's very sad. You know, it's just, he's, he's such a big part of the show and then he's just suddenly gone. And like, even the way that they announce his death, like it's, uh, you know, we debated this a little bit in the season three podcast when we we're talking about, uh, well, you don't see Quarles die, so maybe Quarles isn't dead. You don't see Arlo die. Uh, you hear about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has the, this final scene with Raylan where he tells him to kiss his ass, and then several other scenes happen. And then Raylan just very nonchalantly at the marshal's office is like, oh, yeah, he died. I got yeah, the they call. They called me an hour ago. Yeah, right? I got the call an hour ago. <laughs> um, and, you, I mean, you see the body, you see the cold body with the toe tag and everything. So, of course, he's actually dead. But it's still just like the way they do it, it's very nonchalant. Um, I, I don't know. I, part of me really likes it. And part of me is very frustrated by it. Uh, cause I, I would love to still have Arlo on the show and have him still factoring into where the show is going, uh, into its end game as we're talking about its final season coming up pretty soon. Um, but at the same time, it's just, it's such a ballsy choice. You kind of have to, you know, give it credit for having some, some real cojones to just take him out like that. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe since he was Jack Shepard's grandfather, he just, uh, <laughs> Disappeared to an island somewhere. It's, it's possible. You never know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that that's really kind of Raylan's big chip on his shoulder, uh, probably forever going forward, because he had such a horrible relationship with his dad, and it ends up ending so horribly as well. Uh, you know, there's probably this piece of him that wanted it to, to have some sort of reconciliation, even if he's not going to come out and say that. And now there's no chance for that. But I, it's true to life. You know, you don't get to apologize to everybody. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I mean, I I do think that I think that I I don't know that it was a necessary sacrifice to the stakes of this season. Uh, But I do think that it's something where this this was coming for Arlo for a really long time. He was involved with too many people. He had done too many things uh, and he had put himself in too many different uh, compromisable positions, whether it was uh, Dickie Bennett seeing him limp away from a robbery uh, whether it was any number of other things that he had done, uh, he, he had he had put a lot out there into the universe that is going to come back to him in some negative fashion, one way or the other. So it, it is a little surprising that it happened this way because it's seemingly innocuous. So he knows the identity of somebody. He's not giving it up. Uh, they must have felt like it was he, he killed somebody to not give it up. So they must have felt like he was in jeopardy of doing that. Otherwise, I don't know why they would have acted. Yeah. 
But I mean, it's again, it's it's this idea of ghosts that are haunting the characters who are still living on the show. And I think that this in a very big way is Raylan's ghost going forward is now he has to in, you know, that's the very final shot of season four is Raylan at, you know, the Givens house. And he's, uh, you know, he's he's patched up the wall now that the Drew Thompson thing has been solved. And he sits back with a beer and just looks at the graves like he looks at yep. his mom's grave, Helen's grave and now Arlen's grave, which had been there for a while now has Arlo in there. So it's 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 an interesting way to kind of take the Raylan character when there's still, you know, tons of justified still to go. Yeah, and and that's true. And he's always struggled with this with this issue with Arlo and he'd always this has always been something that has haunted him, you know, whether it was something that was dead or not. It was it's always been something that was prevalent in his actions and in in what he was doing it, it's really played a role in the way people evaluate him the way he evaluates the world uh everything that he does has played a part i mean even his relationship with art is sort of a surrogate for that for that father relationship and what he does in terms of not valuing that and in terms of taking advantage of that especially at the end of this season uh with what happens with uh nikki augustine and and sammy tonin well, um, do you want to get into that stuff now yeah, we can. I mean, um, it's 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 absolutely part and parcel to who Raylan Givens is now that that are that he's he's Arlo's son for better and worse. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Boyd Crowder breaking bad, we got to talk about the possibility, at least, that Raylan is edging toward a direction that's kind of uh, I don't know if unrecognizable is the word, but unexpected. Like it's again, disappointing. It's disappointing that you you've done what you just did. Uh, the way that he ends up taking out Nikki Augustine. By the way, uh, Mike O'Malley is Nikki Augustine. I just, I'm always thinking, uh, I'm always thinking guts with this guy. Yeah, definitely. It's very weird to have uh, the the former host of Guts giving this ridiculous monologue about blowjobs. Uh, was it was a very awkward scene for me to to have to process. Yeah, can we can we get Mo from Guts to show up somewhere? Mo with the leaderboard. Mo, all right, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, I I I don't know. It's very it's very strange to have Mike O'Malley on this show. I know that he's done the whole actor thing since Guts, but I will always remember him for Guts. Oh, me too. Uh, and and it's just kind of as a, I always think of him even not in that context. I think of him as a comedian. So, yeah. and, and Justified does this. We'll have Dave Foley show up on season five. We'll have you know lots of uh, lots of other, Patton Oswalt as Constable Bob. You know, uh-huh, so. Sure. It's pulling in a people and putting them in, in non-traditional roles. So that part, at least, isn't surprising. But this is an interesting, this is an interesting casting, and I, I don't think it's a bad one. I think he he plays that sort of cocky asshole, the kind of guy that would give that speech uh, to Ava. I think he it's totally believable and acceptable that that's who that guy is. It's just it's um, damaging my childhood in a very, I, in a very deep way. I understand. You know, if only he had carried around a piece of an aggro crag, maybe, <laughs> you know, handed it out and be like, listen, you might have done all that work, but you've won this. He's come to Kentucky to start slinging an aggro crag to the to the people. How much would you would you I, I've, I've heard some some actual aggro crag uh, has been on eBay for sale. How much would you would you would you bid on it? I don't know. There was a time in my life where I was willing to bid a lot of money for an aggro crag. Uh, <laughs> that time has passed. I don't, I don't think that I would bid much for Niagara Crag these days. But if you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I probably would have emptied my bank account. That's hilarious. It's a glowing piece of the rock. What do you want? Do you think it still glows? I wonder if it still glows. It always glows. It's going to glow forever. Uh, anyway, speaking, speaking of Mike O'Malley, uh, not on guts. He is now on Justified. He's got, he, he, he has it. 
Do you have it? Guts on Justified. Nikki Augustine is here. Uh, he is like he's he's basically top level guy uh, in the Detroit mob. He's he's like the other guy that would replace Theo Tonin uh, if not for Sammy Tonin. Uh, and he ends up there, you know, because Drew Thompson gets found and he gets turned over and Theo Tonin is forced into hiding. So there's sort of this civil war that's brewing in the Detroit organization between Nicky Augustine and uh, Sammy Tonin. And Nicky Augustine marks Raylan for everything that Raylan did to get Drew Thompson uh, into custody. And there's this really intense scene where where Winona is in, in danger and Raylan has to, you know, Raylan and Winona, like super pregnant Winona, have to shoot their way out of a situation. Uh, and it's all because of Nikki Augustine. And so Raylan basically walks Nikki Augustine to his death. Uh, he, yeah. he just watches. He just walks away as he is surrounded by a whole bunch of mobsters who just blast this guy. He just lets it happen. Yeah. And I mean, he's coming off the, the biggest win of his career, right? Yeah, by far. By far. I mean, the kind of thing that people are saying that he's going to be promoted and he's going to be kind of write his own ticket. This is a major, major deal that he tracked down Drew Thompson and brought him in because he's essentially taken down Theo Tonin is, is what the what the end result of that is going to be. And Art, his response to that is, well, I'm going to suspend you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Raylan's pretty pissed about that. Sure. Right. Yeah. He's not he's not thrilled about it. He He doesn't he's not happy about the suspension. Uh, but he, it is what it is. And so that's, that's what he says to Sammy Tonin when Sammy Tonin's like, you don't care if I just like shoot Nikki Augustine right in front of you. And he's like, eh, I'm suspended. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. do you, what do you think about that as the direction for Raylan? Does that make sense for you that we, we have him at this place right now in Justified? I think so. I think it's well-earned. I, I actually, the, the, if you're going to have Arlo die in the middle of the season, and you're going to put that out there, and that that's going to be a major choice that you make. I think that it's going to have to have some impact, whether or not it's overt or or subtle, on Raylan. You can't just have this be a a non-impact kind of thing. And whether he can be nonchalant about it in the moment and say they called an hour ago, this this season emotionally for Raylan, I think is probably the roughest uh, that we've seen so far. Uh, more more so than the first, second, or third season. Yeah, I think I think this is the one where his you talk about haunted. I mean, I think that it really starts to to weigh on him. And I think that's represented by what happens with Arlo. I think it's represented by what happens in Ghosts, the final episode. When when Winona is ultimately kidnapped as a way to get leverage against Raylan, it becomes directly personal. It's no longer about, you know, the FBI. It's let's try to leverage you, the specific person, uh, not the Marshal Service, not the FBI. Let's let's lobby you, this specific person, and, and, and take it uh, try to take it at you. And then it becomes personal. And so I think we get there with Raylan. I I think that the the idea that that he would let Nikki Augustine be taken out, I I buy it. I mean, I I do it. I think it's well earned, and I think that there have to be some emotional uh, results for what happened with Arlo and what happened to Raylan over the course of this season. It, it's not something that can just occur in a vacuum. And I think if you talk about proceeding in a linear fashion, I think this has been a long time coming. Yeah, um, I mean, he's this always is the guy who you know he he's back in Kentucky to begin with because of his super unorthodox way of taking care of, uh, Oh, what's his name? Tom, like Tommy bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, his really unorthodox way of taking that guy out is, is this, is this that much of a far cry from, from there? I mean, it's a, it's a big deal what he's doing here. This is really, really outside of the realm of what he should be able to do as a lawman, but he's always been unconventional and he's always looked outside the box for, 
for uh, ways to get out of situations. But I mean, it's it's definitely this is you know one. I feel like this is one kind of thing that he really can't walk back. Yeah, and and he goes and I mean to be fair, he first meets with Nikki Augustine and tells him turn yourself in. Right, you know? and and, turn- he, and he says to Sammy, if he had taken my deal, I would have arrested him and brought him in. Yeah. So it, it, it is not that different than any other proposition that he makes where he tells a guy like, hey, I'm going to kill you if you don't leave town. Yeah, you have and, four hours. To- and I'm going to yeah. show up and I'm, you know, I'm going to have my gun on me. And if you pull yours out, I'm going to draw quicker than you and kill you. That is, he's, he's done that dozens of times. And so this is not very much different in that he offers a guy an ultimatum that if the guy chooses Raylan's way, he doesn't have to die. But if he doesn't choose Raylan's way, he will die. And that's exactly what happens here. It's not that different. He's just not the one pulling the trigger. But, I mean, it's the same sort of imminent harm jeopardy in that Nikki Augustine's like, let me go. I'm not going to turn. And when I get done, I'm going to come back down here and I will kill your family. Yeah. And Raylan's like, well, if you're going to kill me, I'm just going to kill you, whether I pull the trigger or not. It's not that different. I mean, it really isn't that much of a deviation for this guy. It's a really interesting place to put him, though, right now when he is about to become a father. You know, Winona is ready to go. <laughs> she yeah, look yeah. at her. She's ready yeah. to pop. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is. And, and, and I think it's good that the season does end with him patching up that hole in the wall uh, and looking outside uh, the window at the, the graves of his mother and Arlo and Helen. Um, I think that that, you know, and we, we don't forget that Raylan's empty grave is right there. I so know, I know what, there's a lot of, there's a lot of poetry in that. Do you think that's where of, we're going? Do you think, do you think that Raylan's going to make it out of justified? I don't know the, how many of the seasons so far have ended with the, you'll never leave Harlan alive song. Three out of four of them. Have. Three out of four. Or, of them. I don't know. I don't know about the fifth season, but I, I know that three uh, out of the four we've covered so far. Have. I know. So, I know one, two and four have ended with that. I think we'd, we'd be somewhat foolish to just totally ignore that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that'd be a, that'd be a wild way to end the show with, with Raylan in the ground. I, I hope not, but I, I could see it. Yeah, I could too. And, and it, uh, it, 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 I don't think that that's a, I'm not sure that Raylan doesn't want that. He has put himself in that position too many times for me to say that he, he definitely doesn't have a death wish or he doesn't want to punish himself. Um, he seems to in, relish those kind of moments. So I don't know. I, I do think it's very interesting here, though, because I, I think other than unlike the times where he draws down on people, uh, I don't think that he could say that this action was justified. And I think that's what he's always kind of hid behind yeah. is the title of the show. It was justified. Like right. he was about to kill me. Right. Like this one wasn't like Nikki Augustine did not pose a direct threat to him at that time. And more to the point, I'm fairly certain that Raylan was the one who had called Sammy down there. Right. Yeah. He was. So he sort of planned this out. Like, yeah. well, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't do what I want, I'm just going to turn him over to Sammy. Yeah. That's pretty rough, man. Yeah. Sammy Tonin's his gun in this situation. Yep. Absolutely. You know, he walks into that situation with a loaded gun and he's, Always ready to draw if he has to. Yep, uh, and that's he draws. what happens. He draws. It's crazy. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, a different Marshall, because uh, finally, season four of Justified gives us a good, meaty story for one of the Marshalls uh, that isn't uh, Raylan or Art, and that's Tim this season. Tim's story is great this season, uh, yeah. and, and it plays really well. Uh, I mean, it's completely tied into the to the Colton Rhodes story. Uh, who we haven't talked about much, if at all, on this podcast. Colton Rhodes, played by Ron Eldard, who is uh, a former military police. Uh, he he knows Boyd Crowder from their time together serving overseas. Uh, and he is just like this 
this big burly man with this total like 70s porn hair uh, and, and sunglasses and sunglasses. And he's just, you know, he needs he needs work. He needs a job. And he becomes Boyd's right hand guy. Uh, and, you know, he will put a bullet in anybody that Boyd wants him to, uh, even if he sometimes botches the order, doesn't realize that Boyd isn't telling him to kill somebody. He'll kill that person anyway. Uh, or when Boyd tells him to go and kill somebody, maybe he screws that up, as is the case with Ellen May. Uh, and Colton kind of in like sort of a way that mirrors the Quarles story to a degree. Uh, just he screws up so bad that he just goes down this very uh, dark drug bender and just starts using heroin. Uh, very, very, very recklessly. Not that there's not a reckless way to use heroin, I don't think. Uh, but he just, he really goes down this, this terrible path and his sort of, his PTSD really comes to the forefront, I think, of what's going on with his character. And that's something that's always kind of been buzzing in the background with Tim is, does Tim suffer from PTSD? Uh, he seems like he might be, you know, some kind of wounded animal based on what his experience was like when he was serving as a sniper. And so these two kind of collide in uh i think one of one of the better storylines of the season for my money yeah i think that's right and i think that we see kind of three faces of that we see colt and we see we see tim we see tim's friend mark right and tim's friend mark is is an actual like he's a struggling addict he's going to veteran support groups tim is really supporting him and we see tim kind of accompany him to try to quote unquote make amends with some with some with a drug dealer and it's clear mark has brought tim along to be muscle and not in his official capacity just in his capacity as a friend and as a badass and mark maybe is trying to do right by by mistakes that he's made in the past but he's really struggling as an addict and that is putting him unfortunately across paths with people like colt who is in a very similar place or ends up in a similar place he wasn't necessarily there when he came to see boyd um he was there when he came to see Boyd in terms of he didn't seem to have any place else to go. Right. But he wasn't there in terms of, he wasn't a full blown smoking, smoking heroin off a foil, just like really just shaking people down for drugs, like in a bad place kind of guy. Um, He was maybe just kind of a guy with a little bit of darkness, which all three of these characters seem to have. It's just, it, it manifests in different ways. And Tim's maybe just one little turn of the screw tighter, so he's able to be in law enforcement, but he doesn't seem to have any problems just pulling the trigger on people in, in a, with a moment's notice and hitting them in the apricot. Oh, God, I still love that scene so much. Ah, it's great. I mean, it. so that's Tim. He's that he's that's the kind of guy he is. And he's he's sort of reliable. He you know, he, there there's a time when he in season three, when Raylan's being framed uh, by by uh, quarrels that Tim lets him escape. You know, Tim's like, oh, well, I brought you down to the bottom floor. I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And and there's a lot of that sort of in Tim. He's not exactly uh, above board all the time, and he he is similar to Raylan like that. But he's also very different. He thinks Raylan might have killed Gary. He makes jokes about it a lot uh, because that would have been very inappropriate in Tim's mind. So he has a lot of legitimacy to him. Uh, and I think this season is great for him, like you said, because I think it draws lines clear. Like, this is who Tim isn't. He's not like Mark. This is who Tim isn't. He's not like Colt. Yeah. Like this is who Tim is. Tim will kill Colt. 
because Cole admitted to killing Mark, like that Tim cared about his friend and that that you kill my friend becomes a very like interesting and important like an thing. Like Montoya type of moment for him. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's not about law enforcement at that moment for Tim. It's about personal, you know, personal action. So and it's also disappointment because like, you know, his, his buddy Mark obviously couldn't overcome his addiction. He couldn't overcome his demons. He couldn't overcome his ghosts from the past. And Tim is looking at Colton uh, as clearly another guy who has, kind of buckled in the face of just the, the, the tidal wave of what he went through in war. Uh, and he, I'm sure he sees a lot of himself in that too. Yeah, he does. And when they, when he first meets uh, Cole, when, when Boyd Crowder and, uh, and Raylan are up with the Hill people and Cole kind of pulls up as Tim's kind of Raylan's backup and Cole kind of pulls up to be Boyd's backup. Uh, it, they talk, you know, and they, they kind of, they hit it off. They recognize that they have some similarities when he sees him again. Um, he recognizes, Hey, Boyd Crowder's right. You know, like he's very kind of not, not mean to him at all. Just like recognizes him and doesn't hold it against him that he was in league with Boyd. They had swapped stories there waiting for each other. And so they, they, in a different world, maybe they would have had more in common than they did not. And I think that he has to draw down on him and kill him. I think it says a lot about uh, Tim. And and I think this is a, as you pointed out, like a, not only a really great storyline for the season, but a really, really great storyline for Tim. Like the kind of thing I think they've been wanting to do with Tim and Ray Rachel all along this really it really paid off this season right and they don't really I mean Rachel still doesn't have much to do this season no, uh, they they let her give Raylan the beanbag shotgun yeah that's I, pretty I cool. like her tagging along on on that little story I think is pretty fun every now yeah. and then they try and like do a thing with her in Limehouse that doesn't totally work for me yeah, Limehouse is always kind of hitting on her yeah. or like, I don't know what, like saying you belong just here like with really me. really needling her, yeah. Yeah, like he's really giving her a hard time uh, about being a woman, about being black, about being a law enforcement officer, yeah. all of it. Yeah. So th- that is that is there, but uh, but not really that, that present uh, with Rachel, unfortunately. What do you think about Limehouse in this season? Are you happy that he popped back up? Yes. and? And the role that he played? Yeah, I, I am. I, I like that. I, I like that Limehouse was left alive in season three. I like that he, uh, that, that they find a pretty good way to use him here. I mean, if like you need to hide somebody, Limehouse is a good guy to go to. So it makes sense for Drew Thompson to go and seek out Limehouse in this desperate situation. So I, I like that they bring him back. I don't think it feels forced. Uh, and I like that he's still out there by the end of this season in case, you know, there might be a reason to bring him back in a future season of Justified. I think that's great. I really like the character. I think McKelty Williamson does such a good job with that character. So it was it was really fun to see him. And it's, you know, not a huge role this season, but it's it's important enough. So I, th- I think it's good. I, I, I was happy to see Limehouse this season. Yeah. And I think it wouldn't have been very true to what they did with him in season three uh, if he if they didn't bring him out in season four in this in this scenario. Because if he's if he's there and Noble still exists, then that is absolutely where they would go, right? Like so, it wouldn't it would have felt false if he wasn't there, um, and it would have felt like not like like what they because it, it you know one of the criticisms I remember uh, not criticisms but one of the things people talked about when season three popped off is <clears throat> how do you have this guy who's been here the whole time and you haven't talked about him yet. Like he's never shown up. How has he not played a role in any story? How have we not heard his name when he's like this kind of presence? Um, But it makes sense. I mean, they, in season three, they talk about how he's purposely trying to keep a low profile and he knows everything that's going on 
in, in Harlan. He knows everybody else's name. He knows everything they're into. They don't put themselves in his business because they don't care. So I think that that fits. But I think once you establish him, I think when you need him to be back, he needs to be back because it would ring a little false if he didn't. What about his motivation, though, with with Ellen May? Um, did you did you find that that rang true with what we knew about Limehouse before? I think it's interesting that, you, you know, it didn't at first while I was watching it. But the, the more I think about it, it kind of it kind of does. What, what, what interests me is like so. So with the Dickie Bennett thing, he really did give the money to Loretta McCready. Uh, he really does honor Mags's Mags's wishes there to to a degree. As much as you can say a guy like this is is on the level, he's kind of on the level. Uh, you know, he has the opportunity to call up Detroit and be like, "Hey, I've got Drew Thompson. You want to give me a lot of money for him?" He doesn't do that. Uh, you know, he he makes this deal with with Boyd and Ava and says. Uh, you know that deal that that we made. Uh, we're gonna change the terms. You only get one of them. And when they pick Drew Thompson, he's not like, no, I actually want Drew Thompson. Like you know, th- to to a certain extent, he has a code. Yeah, and and there there was an opportunity for him to make money off of Ellen May and sell her out to Detroit. He could have made after. so much money off of both of them. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't do it. So I and he he kind and of kind of needed money because I think that we find out that the that the money that was hidden in, in the pigs has been, has been claimed. Yeah. He, and so he's in for this, this big money and that makes some sense. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting because he, he tells Ellen May, like, I'm going to take care of you. And she doesn't believe him and she doesn't really have any reason to believe him, but he holds his word up and I, he's an interesting character. I think it does fit too. He, if he really is the shelter house for these put upon and abused women, like he has claimed to be, leaving aside whatever their untoward action there may have been with Raylan's mom, or maybe she invited it. I don't know um, if he really is the kind of place that, that takes care of women like that with no real ulterior motive, other than that's something he wants to do, then it totally fits that he wouldn't sell Ellen may out like that. Yeah. Uh, and it makes perfect sense to me. And I think that it's, I think that it's great for the character. I do hope we, we see more of him going forward. I think that'd be cool. I want to go back to the marshals really quickly, just to talk about what I think is um, uh, probably, uh, I, I would say almost definitely the best episode of the season. And for me in the running for my favorite episode of justified is decoy. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's, so that's the episode you were talking about before, but you know, they, they have drew Thompson. Uh, they've, they found drew Thompson. They've caught up to Shelby. The marshals have him. The marshals yank him right before Detroit is about to get their hands on him. Uh, and now the question becomes, well, we just got to get him out of Harlan alive. Uh, and that's that's a really fun idea for an episode that I don't think that I really appreciated enough until I started talking about the show with you, Antonio, because you obviously you're from Kentucky. You live in Kentucky. You have such a great understanding of, of where this show takes place and, and what the geography and everything is like that. To me, I think the first time I watched it, it's like, well, why don't they just get on the highway and take them to Lexington? It's because it's pretty far. Yeah, it's not easy to do. So they it's it's really awesome that they have this whole episode that's dedicated to like, well, shit, we've got Drew Thompson. That's great. But we have a lot of people who want us dead and they could actually probably do it. Yeah. Uh, If there's only one road in and out of town, they could block it off. Yeah, they could block it off. You know, if we if we get in the air, they can they can find where where we would have a helicopter landing. So I think it's really cool that they spend an episode basically on this one hour or two hours 
of how the hell do we get Drew out of Harlan alive. Uh, and it's cool, and I think that this is an episode that really puts the marshals to good use. Obviously, Art, he's on the field for this because his marshal stiffy isn't going to let him sit out on finding Drew Thompson. Uh, you've got Rachel here, I think, is, is really fun to have Rachel as part of this storyline. Uh, this is another fantastic Tim episode where it's not just that he's a sniper. That's not the only skill he brings to the table. He's also, he knows how to disarm IEDs. Uh, you've got like this really cool standoff between Tim and Colton, you know, with this yep. whole improvised explosive device uh, w- when they're, you know, doing like the, deco- the decoy run to, to get Drew out of uh, Harlan. So I don't know. And you've got the whole like, Constable Bob interrogation scene. Drew Baca. Yeah. Drew Baca. Drew Baca. <laughs> it's just so good. I, I think. And you've got like a bad guy named YOLO. You know, yeah. <laughs> just speaking of, of, of how Justified has these really ridiculously great one-off bad guys every now and then, you've got a, just this, this sort of dopey guy named YOLO. Uh, and I, I don't know, just like everything about Decoy represents Justified at its best for me. High stakes, you don't know how it's going to shake out, the pressure is on, it's really intense, every single main character has a really important thing to do in the episode. Uh, I, I really do think that this could be in the running for the best episode of the series. I think that's right. I mean, it's unquestionably the high point of the season and it may well be the high point of the series. Uh, it is, it is really just, even though it's self-contained, I would, it's not a bottle episode. There's a lot of locations and there's a lot of different people involved, but in terms of the way things are bottled up, that's what it is. It's, it's basically one setting in terms of where the action is and, and what they're going to do about it. It ends with them riding away on a freaking train. Yes. Like it's so cool. Well, there's so much awesome stuff that happens in even this to episode. the extent that like you're you're expecting the episode to end in a shootout because uh, you know the the Tonin guys are are bearing down on the high school they're they're coming up on Raylan you think that some horrible shootout's going to happen some real high noon shit is about to go down and it doesn't and you're not disappointed yeah yeah I, because it just go it, it all goes really well in terms of how the the ending really is just so great with the uh, with the coal train. I mean, it all it all works really really well. And like like we said, with the way Raylan and Boyd were kind of buying time and and all that stuff is really really good. Like everything that just plays out in this episode is is perfectly timed. Uh, it's it's like a heist episode in some way, or like yeah. a heist movie in some ways. Like there's a caper involved. Like it's all very very good and very fun. And yeah, the 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 love train or whatever beat down of constable Bob is it's so it's very memorable. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very good. So I, I don't know. That's, that's my favorite episode of the season. And it's, uh, it's a top five justified episode at the very least for me. I'm on the same page with you, man, that, that I think that people <coughs> who were watching this season in real time were like, Oh, this Drew Thompson thing. Where is it going to end? Like, this is ridiculous. How are we going to get any, you know, real drama out of this? It's just twists and turns and Limehouse is involved and people are selling this and that and the other, but then this episode comes along and it's like, Holy cow. Like this is, this is tense. Like there's just so much. It's so well-directed. Like it, it's so well-written. Like this really is a great button to everything that happens. It almost makes the finale feel anticlimactic because yeah, you have two more episodes in action, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, now they got to kidnap Winona and really put the screws to Raylan. Like, how is that going to have anywhere near the drama that we saw in decoy? So it, it really sets the bar very high in that regard. Well, I, you know what? I, I actually think that that's a fair criticism toward this season. So I, I think we, we could talk about a few things that maybe we don't love about the season, or at least that I don't love about the season is I, I think it, it was a cool idea that they went for this whodunit instead of this big bad. 
Uh, I, I think that the who is Drew Thompson, where is Drew Thompson mystery, I, I really love how that all played out. Uh, but the, the pacing of the season's a little off. You know, that, that story doesn't really pick up until maybe three or four episodes into the season, at least for me. And it, it really does get resolved with two episodes left to go. So those final two episodes of season four kind of lack a little bit of teeth for me. Um, it, some of it, some of it feels like it's, it's just a little bit forced. Like we just, we, this is where we have to go at this point. Um, I'm still not sold on, on the whole thing that, how it plays out with Nikki Augustine. I mean, I guess we'll see how it plays out in season five. Uh, but for me, I just like uh, with that tacked onto the end of the Drew Thompson stuff, I just think that the Drew Thompson thing was so interesting. And for that to end with two episodes left in the season, I think it's a strange choice for me. Yeah, and and it is. You're right. It doesn't really pick up as well as it could. It uh, I I take issue with the the multi episode story involving uh, Lindsay and her husband. Absolutely, I was going to say Raylan. that next. Yeah, like that 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 is where I take issue because it that, that's front loaded, obviously, and that's something that it feels so much, and it ultimately is just a self contained, no real stakes one one kind of one off type story. Uh, but it takes place over like four episodes and it's like right. first the guy shows up and he says at the beer delivery and he's kind of menacing to Raylan. Then he shows back up. No, that's my wife. And then Raylan goes to his gym and they have this whole confrontation and then Raylan's been shaken down and then Raylan chases after him. It's it's like three episodes and it's like at the end of it, it's a kind of a joke. Like Lindsay's gone. Here's your money, Raylan. It's in the truck yeah. and it's a bunch of fighters. I want to manage fighters. It's cockfighting. Yes. Like I, I just – I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, I know there's cockfighting in Kentucky. Like there, there definitely has been, it is not a prevalent rampant thing where it's happening in every holler and every County and every place in Eastern Kentucky, but um, sure it happens, but I don't think we need three episodes to have it as a punchline with one of these guys. I just, it just didn't fit with me. I don't think Raylan being with or not being with Lindsay had any real impact. Um, the beginning of the season, Raylan was kind of uh and if we want to talk about where he ends up at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season, he's absolutely breaking the rules of his job and he's working on the side, yeah, catching bail skippers. Yeah. He's freelancing uh, as a, as a bounty hunter. And so he's doing that because he wants to raise money for his kid, you know, above, you know, under the table and, and outside the realm of what he's getting paid at his job. And so his motivation makes sense, but he's absolutely breaking the rules of the marshals from the beginning of this season on. Uh, so uh, that's all happening, but I don't think this Lindsay and cockfighting storyline adds anything to that at all. Yeah, I agree completely. I, uh, that's, that storyline always kind of takes me out of things a little bit. Uh, and, and I don't like the Jody storyline as well, which you just mentioned the, 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 the premiere episode where he has to run down this fugitive. And then we find out several episodes later that that fugitive escaped immediately after and like shot the, the other, uh, officer who Raylan had had a fling with in the past, and now uh, Jody and Kinsey from Mad Men are teaming up, and I guess he's like a porn actor. Like, what's I don't know. It's this is this is the point where I think season three we complimented for really figuring out how to do the standalone episode while still driving the overarching story forward. I think season four loses a little bit of ground in that regard. Yeah, and I think part of what we maybe could take issue with in season three, or not we, but maybe part of what they maybe were looking to rectify with season three is 
we didn't have enough Raylan kind of doing martial stuff right. and Raylan doing, you know, the, the job itself. Like we, we had Raylan doing a lot of extra things beyond the job and getting <coughs> kind of connected to quarrels and, and all of that. But we didn't have any of Raylan really just kind of doing the job. And that's what we see with these little self-contained arcs. And if that's what they wanted to do, <laughs> mission accomplished. And whether or not I, I ultimately think they're great for the show. I, I mean, I, they fit like they, they fit in terms of the tone. They go to that party uh, to find the fighter and there's all these crazy people there. I mean, that's totally in keeping with the style of the show and with the kinds of things we've seen on the show before. I just think it's a little bit of a step back when compared to season three with how they handle that situation. Uh, season four, bringing that in is kind of the one off. It just doesn't play as well, especially considering they have a couple stories that take multiple episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said party, so I'll just say, and I don't think we need to touch on it too long unless we want to court STDs, but big thumbs up to the swingers party. Yeah. The, uh, the, what would we say? Eyes wide Harlan. Eyes wide Harlan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is. I mean, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, I think that that's another thing, though, where I feel like, okay, so maybe there is this shadow conspiracy that's been running Harlan the whole time. Like we've been given to believe. Is this this like the Harlan Illuminati? Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like. Right. And I got news for you, like whether or not there are there are qualified leaders and throughout. I mean, I just don't think that that's that's I don't think that that resonates with what Harlan is really like. I just don't think that that really resonates. I don't, I don't think that there are, you know, dozens of power brokers who are these rich white elite upper crust in in that area. It just doesn't really, it doesn't really ring true to me Um, in terms of, I mean, I I think that it's true that areas like Harlan are controlled by those type of people. They're not usually people that choose to also live there. Like they're out of staters or the, the people, the real power brokers, the people who want to make money off the land or whatever they're buying up, just they're buying up people like Napier who are total bureaucrat, just moron bumbling idiots. Uh, and that's why they're buyable. They're not buying up like these brilliant captains of industry who are, you know, whatever. I just, I don't see it, but maybe I'm not understanding fully what they were going after there. Maybe the implication wasn't that all those people weren't from Harlan, but there were people that had various vested interests in Harlan, whether they were coal mines or slurry ponds or whatever they were, they were these rich power brokers who all had their hands in Harlan. But I mean, when they approach Boyd and they're like, you only get to do what we tell you to do. And Boyd's kind of taken aback by all this. It's like, how is this news? I mean, if, if this has existed throughout time, how is Bo Crowder ever a kingpin? How did Mags Bennett get $3 million and never come into contact with these people in a way that would block that. Um, it's just weird. I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's very surprising. I mean, the season starts with Ellen may shooting a judge, a, a judge executive who is like the judge executive is an elected position who is the president of our County. He runs the financial or she runs the financial budget. They do all the County planning. They run the County government. So this guy is like kind of a big deal. If he's the Harlan County judge executive, he's the president of the County, but apparently he's a furry who wants to party at Audrey's. I don't see. Is he the parachute? Yes. Well, maybe he is the bear shoot. That makes a you make a very valid point. He could, that that bear did get a shoot. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he got a shoot several times. So I don't know. That's a it's a it's a good question. But he's definitely a furry, and he shows back up later in the season. Totally cool. Yeah, he's so, he's fine. He's okay. Yeah, he tells Ava like you could have just asked. I would have invited you. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> All right, I'm well, not sure you would have, dude. Well, let's let's take stock of of where the season ends. So it ends. Uh, Drew Thompson has been turned over. 
uh, Theotonin is forced into into hiding. Where did he run off to? They they say I forget off the top of my head. Oh, some Somewhere place without an extradition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's gone. Uh, Nicky Augustine made his play for the for the title. He gets shot up. Sammy Tonin is now in charge of the Detroit mob. Uh, we have good news for Win Duffy. He's he's a big player now. What's what's his role? He's like in charge of everything east of the Mississippi. Yeah, so that's a big deal. So big win for Win, and yeah. he wants Boyd Crowder to be his man in Kentucky, which Boyd accepts. But you know, Boyd has the hard news that Ava has been thrown into jail because Boyd has been double crossed by uh, by Sheriff Mooney. I, I think he's is he the sheriff now? Now that now that uh, Drew Thompson is out of the picture, I think that's right. And I think it was a setup to try to take Boyd down. Yeah, they were trying to get Boyd, but they get Ava instead. Uh, yep. So that's that's pretty pretty terrible. So Ava's in jail, uh, and Raylan has just let some pretty bad things happen. He's got this really big win in his career under his belt but he's also just let this guy just get murdered right in front of him. So that's kind of where we are when we leave season four. I, I've only watched a few episodes of season five. I haven't watched the whole thing. Um, so, so I know generally what the idea of the season is about. Uh, I know that we're kind of going back toward the big bad format to a degree. Uh, Antonio, can you set up where we're going with season five? How does the end of season four set us up for where we're going with Harlan next? Well, you mentioned uh, Bernard from Lost. Uh, he he He's this guy, Lee, who is a funeral homeowner, right? And they're working with him to get a second body to, to swap out for Delroy's so that they can hide it um, because Delroy's body has already been found and they want to swap all that out and whatever, whatever, whatever. He is ultimately the one who kind of turns on Boyd uh, and sets Boyd up and, and Ava takes the fall for it. It's definitely him. And he's one of those kind of power brokers who is sort of overtly or directly threatened. Um, Part of the Harlanati. The, the Harlanati, if you will. Yes. The Harlan naughty. Um, the, he's one of the Harlanati Harlan naughty, and he has uh, definitely set Boyd up. And so he has made this aggressive play against Boyd and taken down Ava in the process. So uh, I would say that that's something to, to see where that, where that progresses through. We have other characters in our, in our lexicon or on our, our cast of characters. I think that are in worth- our Lexington. On our Lexington lexicon of characters, we have we have other characters who are who are worth putting a pin in. Uh, we talked about Limehouse. I guess it's worth seeing if he turns up in season five. Um, we've got you know some interesting loose ends. We don't know what happened with with Dickie Bennett. He could turn back up, right? I mean, he's not dead, right? And hey, where was Dewey Crow? We didn't get any Dewey Crow in season four. That's exactly what I was going to say next. Is we've still got a guy like Dewey Crow floating around out there. Uh, so. The, the good thing about Justified four seasons in is they've built a great bench of characters like, you know, Dickie Bennett, like Dewey Crow. We talked about on our season three podcast, Quarles maybe isn't dead, so we don't know. Could he pop back up? I think that season five is worth looking into, um, you know, who can who can show up again uh, and, and what role those characters can play. Uh, I will tell you that there is a. You know, they're the big casting uh, kind of big names that are cast for season five. One of them is Michael Rappaport, uh, who plays a character from Florida, uh, who maybe has a connection to Kentucky. Uh, so he he plays a role in, in season five for sure. Um, it's an interesting season. Let's put it that way. I'll be interested to see what you ultimately think about the season as as we uh, as you watch the whole thing, because 
There are it, it chooses to focus on some some different characters maybe than we've we've uh, spent a ton of time with, uh, and maybe does so with varying degrees of success depending on your you know your mileage may vary on that. That's what I've heard about season five, and I that was my experience with the first few episodes of season five. Anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna be diving into that. Not to get so negative on on the penultimate season of Justified before we even start talking about it, but uh, there you go. And we're going to get talking about that pretty soon. I would say I haven't started my rewatch of season five yet, so I gotta go and start doing that. But we'll talk about it in the very near future. But we're very very close to the season premiere of the final season, which is pretty awesome. Pretty excited to see where this whole thing is going. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to see you know some more trailers or previews or teasers popping up and they're they're very exciting Raylan and boyd and fiery houses and all sorts of crazy stuff that's cool i'm looking forward to it all yeah. right man uh any anything else from this uh season that we didn't talk about no nothing uh nothing's really on my list i you know I, it will be very interesting to see the fallout from from Raylan's action at the end of the season uh if that if that if there is any fallout from that um how that plays out is that going to change the way Raylan operates um is it going to be something that comes to bear uh, what's going to happen with Sammy Tonin in Detroit and Win Duffy and all of that um it will be very interesting to see in season five how that all plays out awesome all right can't wait follow Antonio on Twitter he's at AC Mazzara with two z's one r I'm at round Howard like Ron Howard but rounder uh hashtag parachute Barachute, B E R A C H U T E C H U T E. Yeah, barachute. All right, so give us your barachute. Uh, pop your barachute, and we will. B E A R. We will, yeah, B E A R A C H U T E. I can't spell for shit, man. Yeah, I know. It's okay, Antonio. It's not like you're a lawyer or anything. Two Z's, one R. I got it. <laughs> that you got. That's that's where all of your spelling energy. Is I had today. to teach myself that so I could remember. <laughs> I know it's very important stuff. All right, guys. So pop your barachute. Join us in season five of Justified, and we are uh, we're very close to the beginning of the final season of Justified. We'll talk to you all soon. Take care. <laughs>